Hello, my praying people, and welcome to the Prayer Clinic Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to open up a conversation about witchcraft in the modern day, and um, some we're going to talk a little bit about Wicca because that's the most popular practice of modern day witchcraft. In this episode, I'm going to merely share with you what I have found online in my researching, and I'm going to include on my show notes all of the references to the various articles that I share content from in this episode. Right now, I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to give you eyes to, I mean, not eyes, but ears to hear, but more than that, that he would open your mind to understand truth. And that he would open your heart to understand what he wants you to do with that truth. I want to encourage you to also remember that knowledge is good, but wisdom is better. Wisdom comes from the filling of the spirit of the living God. Knowledge comes from what you're doing, listening, reading, um, paying attention to, researching. That's where knowledge comes from. But wisdom comes from the spirit. And so just invite the Lord to give you wisdom along with the knowledge you're about to gain. I also want to remind you that this is a great episode to share with people you know who may be practicing witchcraft, people you know who may be leaving the church, people you know who uh, might be embracing other New Age practices that are very foreign to you that you don't know a whole lot about. Um, This would also be a great episode to share with other parents you might know whose children might be practicing these things. So um, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to share it. And um, I'd love to hear some feedback as well. When I was a child, I enjoyed watching a sitcom called Bewitched where sweet Samantha, this beautiful wife of her husband, Darren, was a witch, and she tried her best to be a good wife, only using her magic powers to get her family out of trouble. Only those magical powers would tend to get her family into trouble. It was really funny. She was really sweet. And I have to admit, I enjoyed that, I enjoyed that little sitcom. At the same time that Bewitched was popular on television, there was another little program that was designed even more for children, and that was the animated show called Sabrina the Teenaged Witch. Sabrina lived in Riverdale with Archie and all of his folks, and she used her magical powers to try to keep her friends out of trouble. And at the same time, she worked really hard to keep the fact that she had magical powers secret. In more recent years of entertainment, we have been inundated by the Harry Potter books and then the Harry Potter movies. I have to confess that um, when my young adult children uh, went through a particular phase in their life, I think my son had a couple of friends living with us. Um, I don't know how it all happened and at what point in their lives and their careers that this was going on, but we found ourselves with several very young, young adults and almost every night they would want to go and watch the Harry Potter movies. I've got some really godly Christian friends who absolutely love Harry Potter, and they even have um, dug deep into kind of what's behind the scenes in those movies to show the darkness and the light and make spiritual connections to Christianity and the Lord in them and truth and darkness and that kind of thing. And then I know other people, I was one of those people when my children were growing up, who uh, recognized that Harry Potter delved a little bit, well, a lot of it, in the occult and um, made witchcraft uh, seem okay, maybe, and even enticing. And so they banned it from their children's growing up experiences. Uh, I was that. Then as they got to be young adults, I became the other. And there was Harry Potter. Also, during the season of Harry Potter, there was the a very popular Twilight books, which introduced us to the interaction of werewolves and um, and vampires as they interacted with humans, and it gave the sense and the reality of the spiritual world, um, uh, you know, a reality maybe even in a fiction way, but one that made it attractive. 
If we take a deep dive into history and literature, we discover that some people believe that witchcraft predates Christianity. And of course, our fascination with witchcraft continues today. In fact, witchcraft is on the rise in American culture. In a USA Today article written in 2021, I read this, The number of Americans who identify with Wicca or paganism has risen from 134,000 in 2002 to nearly 2 million today. That is quite a rise in the practice of witchcraft. Much of the recent growth is coming from our younger women. And I even read, and I haven't gone and looked because I'm not real TikTok savvy, But I read that the platform of TikTok has really given rise and popularity to the practice and the allure of witchcraft. My guess would be that with the rise of all of the chaos in our world today and the dissatisfaction that many millennials are expressing with their church experiences, their spiritual appetites remain strong and Wicca which isn't exactly the same as witchcraft, but closely related. And the practice of witchcraft is, for the moment, seemingly satisfying that spiritual appetite. I shared a little bit about the origins of witches in the previous episode of my podcast, so I'm not going to go there in this one. Instead, What I want to do in today's episode is to share how witchcraft is defined and then give you my take on why it's gained appeal in today's culture. Then in my next episode, I want to share how Christians can interact with and share Jesus with those who practice witchcraft. I'll also in that episode be sharing with you how you can pray effectively for Jesus to penetrate the darkness Um, in the world surrounding those who have been deceived. Father God, I ask that um, you would use this episode and the next one just to give listeners insight and understanding. Lord, we recognize that you are a God who reveals truth. You're a God who removes blinders. You're a God who opens deaf ears. And Lord, in the spiritual sense Today, in our culture today, we long for you to remove the blinders from our eyes, to open our ears, to hear your voice, to understand your truth, and to um, be filled with your spirit so that we can penetrate our current darkness with your glorious eternal light. Father, I'm asking that you would just control my mind, my heart, and my tongue as I share what I've learned. And God, that I will give credit where credit's due. Lord, that I'll handle this with integrity. And Father, that you would then use it in the hearts and the lives of my listeners so that they might be um, effectively equipped to minister to, witness to, um, love the people in their path who may be caught in, a, in just a web of deception. And Lord, um, that their hearts, their minds, their spirits will be satisfied in their truth that they find in you. God, it's in the precious name of Jesus and the, by the power of his blood that was shed for us that we lift this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's jump into this by um, letting me share what I found online that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, how the dictionary defines witchcraft. One definition is that witchcraft is the use of sorcery or magic that involves communication with the devil or with a familiar. I learned in my research that a familiar is a small animal or a mythical you know, supernatural little creature that will carry out the commands of the witch. That's why when you think of witches in the traditional sense, you always think of the witch, her broomstick, and her black cat. So that black cat would have been her familiar. I think I'm remembering in Sabrina the Teenaged Witch that there was a little cat that kind of romped about with her and did uh, have some magical powers that the cat would assist her in... um, and uh, 
in fulfilling the, the spells and the sorcery that she was about. Now, a more current day definition that's included in the Merriam-Webster definition I found online is that witchcraft are, is rituals and practices that incorporate belief in magic and that are associated especially with neo-pagan traditions and religions such as Wicca. Practitioners of Wicca use the tools such as the broom, a purifying symbol, the wand, candles, crystals, and the knife, and I didn't look up what all of those um, represent as the symbols, but they use these um, tools and they refer to their practices with these tools as witchcraft. Another part of this definition is that witchcraft is a tradition or religion that involves the practice of witchcraft. Feminist witchcraft sees women's oppression and environmental abuse, which they argue are intimately linked as firmly rooted in patriarchal religion. So in this sense, the practice of witchcraft is in stark contrast and a statement against the traditional um, heavily patriarchal um, expression of Christianity in some of the historical church. The third definition that I just shared with you, or the, this part that I've just talked about, is the one that's being most embraced by our culture today. Listen to what Pam Grossman, who's the author of Waking the Witch, Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power, has to say about witchcraft today. For Pam Grossman, author of this book, witchcraft is a spiritual and creative practice of personal change and bringing about change in the world. Grossman had been interested in magic, mythology, and fairy tales since childhood, and with age, her connection grew deeper. I often say that most people grow out of their magic phase, and I just grew more deeply into mine, she said. Every person's experience with witchcraft is different. In its current state, there are many different types of witchcraft, ranging from kitchen witchcraft and green witchcraft to crystal witchcraft and cosmic witchcraft. Depending on what people are attracted to, that often defines what kind of witchcraft they practice. And this quote came from a guy named Mankey. If you love herbs and you love playing in your garden, you might identify as a green witch. If you love cooking and you find magic in food and drink, you might identify as a kitchen witch. By the way, I would definitely not be identifying as a kitchen witch. <laughs> witchcraft can also be a spiritual or religious practice. For instance, certain sectors of witchcraft, such as Wicca, center around modernized pagan traditions and beliefs. Paganism is a spiritual path which honors the divinity of nature and the cycles of the seasons, as well as the cycles of the body, explains Grossman. For me, she says, celebrating the pagan holidays has helped me be more in tune with nature. And of course, this being in tune with nature, the cycles of the season, includes Halloween, or in the pagan community, Samhain. It's seen as the time, remember, that when the veil between the physical and the spirit worlds is the thinnest. So, Grossman says, it's a time of honoring our ancestors and connecting with the spirit world. Additionally, magic and witchcraft is an opportunity for people to take control over their own circumstances, said Mankey. He goes on to say, over the last six years, for many of us, things have been a little topsy-turvy. Magic and witchcraft provide a way to feel as if you're in control of this situation and what's going on in the world. Right now is a really good time for me to tell you that I have literally, for this episode of the podcast and the next one and the previous one, all of this whole little three-episode series that's centered kind of around the Halloween uh, celebration, all of these podcasts are really mostly a conglomeration of articles that I have found online. And so in my show notes, I'm giving you the references to these articles. I want to be certain to give credit where credit's due and make sure that you understand that I'm not saying all these things. I'm mostly quoting these articles and sharing with you what I've learned. 
I kind of chuckled as I was working on it because I'm a history major in college and people have often said, well, my goodness, what in the world does a history major do? And I'm, my answer to them in 2022 would be they research articles on the Internet and then regurgitate the information that they find on podcasts such as this. So um, anyway, I'm just pausing to let you know that you can go and find references to these articles and do some of your own research and actually listen to all the parts. That, I mean, go and read all the parts of the articles that I'm not sharing with you here. So anyway, I'm moving on to um, another article and this one I um, was talking about what the Bible has to say about witchcraft. One of my favorite websites where I do a lot of we, we should, a lot of research, is one called gotquestions.org. On this particular website, you can ask just about any question you have um, regarding Christianity, not regarding Christianity, but what the Bible says about, and they'll have articles. And then at the end of their articles, they'll have references to other articles. So I use gotquestions.org an awful lot. All right, so this is what I found out when I, when I looked for what does the Bible say about witchcraft. Since early times, people have sought supernatural experiences God did not endorse. The nations that surrounded the promised land were saturated with such practices, and God had stern words for his people concerning any involvement with them. In Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, we read, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. You see, the Lord was explaining to his people how they were to live separate from the culture they were about to be immersed in. He, he was explaining to them that the current of the culture was going one direction, but because his people were his alone and he was their one true God, he had a different plan for their lives. Instead of practicing all of these um, these activities that would connect the people to supernatural spiritual powers, he wanted them to lean into, depend on, and trust him for any kind of supernatural divine intervention that they might need. And he rewarded that when they did. Um, that was my commentary. I'm going on now with the article. It says, God takes witchcraft very seriously. The penalty for practicing witchcraft under the Mosaic law was death. And references are Exodus twenty two eighteen, Leviticus twenty twenty seven. Then First Chronicles ten thirteen tells us that Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. In the New Testament, sorcery is translated from the Greek word pharmakeia, from which we get our word pharmacy. Take a look at Galatians 5.20 and Revelation 18.23. Witchcraft and spiritism often involve the ritualistic use of magic potions and mind-controlling drugs. Using illicit drugs can open ourselves up to the invasion of demonic spirits. Engaging in a practice or taking a substance to achieve an altered state of consciousness is a form of witchcraft. Now, my friends, that is straightforward, and this is what we're learning that the Bible says. I'm reading on, there are only two sources of spiritual power, God and Satan. Satan has only the power that God allows him to have, but it is considerable. You can take a look at Job 1.12, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Revelation 20, verse 2. To seek spirituality, knowledge, or power apart from God is idolatry, closely related to witchcraft. 1 Samuel 15.23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. 
Okay, can I stop right there and say that I'm feeling just a little bit convicted? Because stubbornness and rebellion was just put in the same pot with witchcraft. God forgive me for my stubborn nature that's rooted in pride and arrogance. Lord, forgive me for rebellion that causes me to miss what is best for my life. I'm reading on in the article now that I've confessed and prayed. Witchcraft is Satan's realm, and he excels in counterfeiting what God does. Did you see that? Satan excels in counterfeiting what God does. You see, Satan tricks people to go his way rather than God's way because he is um, counterfeiting what is real. And so Satan is serving up what only God gives, and he's snookering people into thinking they've got the real deal when all they've got is a counterfeit. He is the angel of darkness cloaking himself as an angel of light. Witchcraft is Satan's realm, and he excels in counterfeiting what God does. When Moses performed miracles before Pharaoh, the magicians did the same things through demonic power. You can read about that in Exodus 8, 7. At the heart of witchcraft is the desire to know the future and control events that are not ours to control. Those abilities belong only to the Lord. This desire has its roots in Satan's first temptation to Eve. You can be like God. Genesis 3, Now, I don't know about you, but as I am doing research to learn about witchcraft, what the Bible says about witchcraft, what the practice of witchcraft is today, how the devil has flavored and is serving up witchcraft in our modern world, I can't help but read this article and get a bit convicted about my own pursuit of um, so many times trying to control the outcome or control the person, all with a great heart and great motives and great intent, yet it's still that that temptation for me to be God rather than for me to trust God, to be God all by himself. I read a a very quick quote that I believe Lisa Turkist had posted on social media, and this is what it said, God is very good at being God. I thought that was profound. And I said to myself, and Leanne is very bad at being God. (laughs) I encourage you to go to the show notes and get the link so that you can read all the rest of this entire article on gotquestions.org. I also found in my research a book that you might find interesting. It's titled Wicca's Charm, Understanding the Spiritual Hunger Behind the Rise of Modern Witchcraft and Pagan Spirituality. I did find it interesting that this book was published in 2005. So way back at the beginning of this rise of, um, of modern witchcraft and the interest in it. The author, Catherine Edward Sanders, spent a year interviewing neo-pagans and witches and found that the lure of this emerging spirituality was not the occult, but rather a search for meaning in an increasingly fragmented and materialistic culture. The description on Amazon said, In Wicca's Charm, Sanders explains the powerful attraction... Sanders explains the powerful attraction of an increasingly mainstream spirituality that celebrates the wonder of creation and the life-giving energy of women, while also exploring why Christian churches often fail to engage these seekers, but how they can learn to tap into the deep roots of Christianity to nourish the hunger of so many who seek a holistic and authentic worship experience. When I read these things, my, my thoughts were that young adults today are seeking for spirituality that is deep, genuine, authentic, real. And then they're also living in a culture whose current is flowing counter to biblical teaching. In Barna's research, he discovered six reasons young adult Christians are leaving the church today. 
One of them is that churches seem overprotective. And this is reason number one. Here's what he said. A few of the defining characteristics of today's teens and young adults are their unprecedented access to ideas and worldviews, as well as their prodigious consumption of popular culture. As Christians, they express the desire for their faith in Christ to connect to the world they live in. However, much of their experience of Christianity feels stifling, fear-based, and risk-averse. One quarter of 18 to 29-year-olds said Christians demonize everything outside the church. 23% indicated this completely or mostly describes their experience. Other perceptions in this category include church ignoring the problems of the world, 22%, and my church is too concerned that movies, music, and video games are harmful, 18%. And that was the commentary under reason number one that churches seem overprotective. Reason number two, teens and 20-somethings experience of Christianity is shallow. A second reason that young people depart church as young adults is that something is lacking in their experience of church. One-third said church is boring. That was 31%. One-quarter of these young adults said that faith is not relevant to my career or interest, 24%, or that the Bible is not taught clearly or often enough, 23%. Sadly, one-fifth of these young adults, 20%, who attended a church as a teenager, said that God seems missing from my experience of church. The third reason was that churches come across as antagonistic to science. One of the reasons young adults feel disconnected from church or from faith is the tension they feel between Christianity and science. The most common of the perceptions in this arena is Christians are too confident they know all the answers. That was 35% said that. Three out of 10 young adults with a Christian background feel that churches are out of step with the scientific world we live in. And another one quarter embraced the perception that Christianity is anti-science. And nearly the same proportion said they have been turned off by the creation versus evolution debate. Furthermore, the research shows that many science-minded young Christians are struggling to find ways of staying faithful to their beliefs and to their professional calling in science-related industries. As I read that, I think about the, um, my trip to the Creation Museum that I took last summer. I, I want to just go ahead and admit that I had heard of the Creation Museum, but my initial thought was, oh my goodness, what in the world have the homeschool community come up with now? And I was concerned that it would feel out of step and irrelevant to what's going on today. But when I went to the Creation Museum, I was thoroughly impressed, and I want to highly recommend a trip to the Creation Museum to you and to your to your children. And in fact, um, I believe that the Create, well, I know that the Creation Museum hosts church groups and probably homeschool groups and that kind of thing, or anybody who wants to put a group together who can come and actually spend the night, well, I'm thinking about the ark now, who spend the night in the ark and they do a whole program with the children is such a wonderful way for kids to get educated and to see a very well laid out and um, scholarly approach to how science and Christianity can um, both be embraced. All right, the fourth reason is that young Christians' church experiences uh, related to sexuality are often simplistic and judgmental. With unfettered access to digital pornography and immersed in a culture that values hypersexuality over wholeness, teen and 20-something Christians are struggling with how to live meaningful lives in terms of sex and sexuality. And one of the significant tensions for many young believers is how to live up to the church's expectations of chastity and sexual purity in this culture, especially as the age of the first marriage is now commonly delayed to the late 20s. And it goes on to talk a little more about that. My observation as I've watched young adults marry or not marry 
is that those that have chosen to do their best to abstain from sexual activity until after they're married are tending to go ahead and get married young. I have to say that um, having been a Jesus-loving Christ follower when I was um, a, a young adult and and very much in love with my husband, I personally could not wait to get married <laughs> because of the temptation in that area of my life. And I am very grateful that I waited um, until the other side of marriage, there's something holy, sacred, pure, meaningful, um, intimate, long-lasting, easier to trust about having that kind of physical experience with the person you love in the context and the um, of the covenant commitment that you've made before God and before your family and friends. It's a, a beautiful sacredness that it, it gives back. I feel like with the sexual activity outside of marriage that is so um, normal for the world and that what this article said is that many Christians are just as sexually active as those who are not. And, and when we take that away and we do that, we're really... Um, well, one, we're just blatantly disobeying God's, uh, God's um, instructions. And so we choose our pleasure over his, over obedience. And then the other thing is we're, we're dumbing, not dumbing down, but watering down um, what the, the sexual relationship and the power of that relationship can be between men and women and unfortunately, we're watching the effect of that in our culture today. Enough said about that, because this is not a podcast about sex. It's a podcast about um, witchcraft. The fifth reason that young adults are leaving the church is that they wrestle with the exclusive nature of Christianity. Listen to this. Younger Americans have been shaped by a culture that esteems open-mindedness, tolerance, and acceptance. Today's youth and young adults also are the most eclectic generation in American history in terms of race, ethnicity, sexuality, religion, technological tools, and sources of authority. Most young adults want to find areas of common ground with each other, sometimes even if that means glossing over real differences. And the sixth reason that young adults are leaving the church is that the church feels unfriendly to those who doubt. Young adults with Christian experience say the church is not a place that allows them to express doubts. They do not feel safe admitting that sometimes Christianity does not make sense. In addition, many feel that the church's response to doubt is trivial. Some of the perceptions in this regard include not being able to ask my most pressing life questions in the church and having significant intellectual doubts about my faith. In a related theme of how churches struggle to help young adults who feel marginalized, about one out of every six young adults with a Christian background said their faith does not help with depression or other emotional problems that they experience. This is not an article that is saying what to do about it or make any judgment at all. It's just Barna. Barna just um, asks the questions and collects the data. And those are the six reasons that young Christians are leaving the church. In addition to this um, information that I found, with that going on, in the church, and that being the response that young adults are feeling about the church, um, it begins to help you understand how um, witchcraft, the practice of witchcraft, can be appealing to, um, to people. Because a big part of witchcraft is uh, really, I guess, a, a, a real piece of it is just embracing um, a life that seeks to um, change for yourself and create change for this world that we live in with a great regard and respect for nature and for environment and for all of the beauty of creation. 
Um, there are a few other things about witchcraft that you may not know, and two in particular that I'm going to share with you uh, before I close out this particular episode. And then I want to go ahead and say, be sure to listen to the next episode, because in that one, I'm going to talk about how we can respond to those that are practicing witchcraft. And um, we're all going to, also going to spend some time praying um, for those that may be caught in witchcraft. And, and hopefully by you hearing that, you'll learn how to pray for people that either you know and love or that you're going to meet and interact with. Uh, two things about um, witchcraft that you may not know that I found interesting and I discovered is one, and these came from another article that, again, I will uh, cite in the show notes. Uh, one thing is that witches do not believe in Satan. Um, and this is a common belief to witches everywhere. The, there's a, a girl named Denise Zimmerman, and uh, along with her co-authors of a book called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Wicca and Witchcraft, she emphasizes this truth. Witches don't believe in Satan. The all-evil Satan is a Christian concept that plays no part in the Wiccan religion. Witches do not believe that negativity or evil is an organized force. Neither do Wiccans believe there's a place called hell where the damned or the evil languish and suffer. Um... Then I also wanted to share with you that um, witchcraft, I mean, witches question authority. And listen to what the article said. When dealing with self-identified witches, remember that no two witches will agree with each other on just about anything. Witches are non-dogmatic to the extreme with one witch apologist suggesting sending dogma to the doghouse and claiming that religious dogma and authority relieve a person of the responsibility of deciding on his or her own actions. That came out of a book, Wicca and Witchcraft for Dummies. <laughs> Generally speaking, witches prefer to give authority to their own personal experiences. Phyllis Karat, author of a book titled Witchcrafting, puts it this way. Witches, whether we are women or men, experience the goddess within us and in the world around us. She said, I love what Starhawk, who is a witch and popular speaker and writer, said about this. People often ask me if I believe in the goddess. I replied, do you believe in rocks? In other words, witches know the goddess exists because they can experience her by at least one of their five senses. Faith in such a material deity calls to mind the demon screw tapes longing for hell's perfect... Let's see. Faith in such a material deity calls to mind the demon screw tapes longing for hell's... Perfect work, the materialist magician. I'm going to leave off. I mean, that part doesn't really make sense. So. I'm reading still from this article. Throw, um, no, I'm not going to read any more from this article. <laughs> so witches question authority, and they do not believe in Satan. In the next episode, I'll tell you how you can respond to that because that particular article does go into talking about how you as a Christ follower can respond to those two things. Um, I want to close out this podcast by sharing what I read in an article called How to Share the Gospel with a Wiccan. And right now, I'm just going to share the part of that article where I learned about the beliefs. And then in the next episode, I'll share how to pray for and how to share the gospel with them. And so in how to share the gospel with a Wiccan, this is what we discover. Wicca is a loosely organized set of beliefs that are rooted in mystical traditions, including but not limited to Celtic or Norse paganism, Greek and Roman goddess worship, ancient Egyptian spirituality, Eastern shamanism, and even Native American spiritual practices, depending on the group. People may be attracted to Wicca because of the strong connection they feel with the world around them, and in particularly with nature. Wiccans are generally tolerant of other religions, but they do not welcome anyone trying to convert them. Areas of their lives that you can admire are their desire to develop a spiritual view of life, their deep respect for life and nature, their belief in a supreme being, and their desire to think for themselves. 
Wiccans can vary in their beliefs, but the majority of them hold to these eight things. One, everyone has the divine or goddess within, and everyone has a life force. So they believe that life itself is spiritual. Number two, one should develop natural gifts for divination or occult magic, often spelled M-A-G-I-C-K, by those who practice. Number three, divine forces or nature spirits are invoked in the rituals. Number four, the goddess is either a symbol or a real entity is the focus of worship. Number five, nature and the earth are sacred manifestations of the goddess. Number six, everyone has their own individual spiritual path to follow. Number seven, Rituals and celebrations are linked to the seasons and moon phases. And number eight, meditation, visualization, invocation, which is calling on forces or gods and goddesses, chanting, burning candles, and special rituals trigger a sense of the mystical, which typically reinforces their core belief system. About God, Wiccans believe in a male counterpart to the goddess who could possibly be the Christian God or he could be the God of Islam. Regarding the Trinity, the Wiccan doesn't believe in the Trinity. Regarding Jesus, they believe Jesus was an enlightened man who should be honored just like Muhammad, Moses, Krishna, and Buddha, but he was not and is not God in the flesh. Regarding the Bible, Wiccans don't believe in absolute truth, but they do consider the Bible a good book that they pick and choose from to help on their own spiritual path. Regarding the afterlife, they believe in an endless cycle of reincarnation, birth, death, birth, death, etc. They believe that they've lived here before and that they can somehow link, probably through their spiritual practices, to their ancestral um, existence to those previous lives. And they also believe in karma, what, that what you do here affects how, what will be in your next life. Um, they do not believe in heaven or hell. Regarding salvation, a weekend does not believe in sin, and therefore they don't have a need for forgiveness. So they don't see a need for salvation. In their mind, being saved would be to reach a point where one is free from the reincarnation and karma cycles. Of course, we know that the Bible teaches about God, that God identified himself as the great I am in Exodus 20, verse 2. We, the Bible and what Christianity teaches is that he is the self-existent one. He never had a beginning and he does not have an end. He is the eternal creator of the universe and there is no goddess. He's the one and only. Regarding the Trinity, there is one God yet expressed in three persons, there are scriptural references in the article, and there are no other gods or goddesses. The scriptural references are Isaiah 45, 5, Deuteronomy 6, 4, James 2, 19. What the Bible teaches about Jesus, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is the God of the universe, and his death on the cross completely paid for the sins of the world. What a Wiccan sees as enlightened was actually Jesus' power as God. What separates him from Moses, Buddha, Muhammad, and the others was that Jesus came back from the dead. Scriptural references regarding Jesus are John 1, 1, 1, 14, John 18, no, John 1, 18, John 8, 58, Chapter 10, verse 30, and then compare those to Titus 2, 13 and Isaiah 45, 21. Check out also 1 John 2, 2. Regarding the Bible, the Bible alone is the word of God and is absolute truth. It is without error. It cannot and should not be added to or subtracted from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 4. And then Revelation 22, 18 through 20. And it's also the ultimate authority on spiritual matters. Every word of the Bible is inspired by God, so you can't just pick and choose what you think is true. 
Regarding the afterlife, those who trust in Christ alone as their only hope of salvation will spend eternity in heaven. Those who reject Christ will spend eternity in hell. John 5, 24 through 30, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. The Bible denies the concept of reincarnation. Check out Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Regarding salvation, all people are sinners in need of forgiveness, Romans 3.23, and salvation is by faith in Christ alone on the basis of his death on the cross, John 3.16 and 17.36, uh, John 6.29 and 47, Romans 4.1-5, Galatians 2.16, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, and Titus 3. Five. I hope that you understand now that um, modern day witchcraft is very, very different from um, old um, hag looking women with pointy hats and pointy noses with warts on them crunched over on a broomstick flying through the air with the little black cat. Modern day witchcraft is extremely attractive it appeals to young people, old people, men and women, but mostly young women who are um, wounded by their experiences in church, who are dissatisfied by um, their experience of their Christian faith. Um, many of them are, have never had an experience with the Christian faith and who are longing for more control over their own lives and the lives of those whom they love. Most modern practicing witches are, are um, developing the skills to uh, perfect their power in um, practicing what they would call good magic, um, impacting blessings and what we would call blessings and, and good things releasing in their own lives and the lives of those whom they love. They are, um, are uh, hungry to be accepted. They are longing to be respected. And um, they are driven, many of them, by um, wounds in the past and an insatiable appetite for spiritual um, connection that genuinely satisfies them in the depths of their soul and um, creates for them a life that is rich and rewarding. We know as Christ followers who ascribe to his word and believe that it is an ancient, um, miraculous piece of literature that has been handed down to us by his mercy and his grace, that um, Jesus is the one who has come um, to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. We understand because he's told us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that um, he, he seeks to, to take away what God seeks to give. We understand that Jesus is the gate. He is the only way to um, reconnect with the creator of our, of our universe and of our souls. As Christians, we believe that the marvelous world that we live in, the one that I've been enjoying up at my laughing place uh, and am right now uh, recording this podcast here, this world that is so fascinating with its changes of seasons and its beauty and its, um, its great enormous um, expressions of the the magnitude and the creative energy and the um, love and beauty of God, we recognize that that's what it is, that it's not a separate divine entity in and of itself. We recognize as believers and followers of Jesus Christ that there is a great big spiritual power that we can tap into, and that power is accessed through the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And we recognize that the Spirit fills us when we have received the extravagant gift of salvation that God has given us through Jesus' death and then his resurrection from the dead.
We also understand as followers of Jesus Christ that unless the Holy Spirit convicts, um, illuminates, and, um, and compels those who don't know him, they won't know him. And so our best response to what we've learned about witchcraft and its appeal and its allure in our modern day-to-day is to pray. To pray that God would increase in us the heart that he has for them. And that in that praying, we will um, grow and learn, be filled, and be able to pour out all that God is into our world today. Father, we do pray just that, that we would be um, awakened to what's going on in our world today and that we would be wise and knowledgeable. And Lord, that we would depend on the power of your spirit to tell us what to say when. And Lord, just to give us opportunities to love and to express the love that that we've been given. Lord, let us walk humbly with you, not arrogantly. Lord, let us walk without judgment. Let us be as distant from the attitudes of the Pharisees as we can possibly be so that any who might come would be um, attracted and compelled by the gentleness, the kindness, and the compassion of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And there you have it, my praying people. I'm so glad that you've made it to this <laughs> to the end of this episode. And I hope you're looking forward to our next one where we actually talk about what we can do about this rise of interest in witchcraft and how we might can minister to, love, and um, share Jesus with those we know who may be practicing it. Um, so be sure to um, be uh, looking for the next episode next week. I also want to encourage you to um, recognize that the most powerful thing we can do is to pray. And so please don't stop praying. Whatever you do, don't stop praying. Because God is a God who hears and answers us when we pray. Um, just today, I, I we prayed. I prayed. I circled up with a group of women last night, and we prayed. And just today, the answer came. It was a yes now answer, and I can't wait to share with you what that is. Um, and I'll I'll probably mm, I'll sprinkle that in in another week or so as to what the specific prayer was. But I totally know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God hears and answers us when we pray. So you want to be praying in the next episode. I'm going to talk to you specifically about how you can pray for those who are lost and um, how you can love them and pray for them and trust God with them. As for now, um, please share this episode if you enjoyed it. If you know somebody comes to mind, it's just a great way to share your faith. And also, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Prayer Clinic Podcast and um, give us a rating so that we can um, continue to grow in our listeners And um, yeah, I'll talk to you again next time. Thanks.